Welcome back to another episode of the Alpha Build. I'm John. And I'm Mark. And we have quite a few things to go over this week. Uh, they've uh, a lot of things happening. Uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about the Game of Thrones final season, which is uh, very controversial. Um, and then we have John Wick the- 3 as well, which just came out last week, week and a half ago, something like that. Uh, anyway, before we get to the meaty bits... Um, we have some quick hitters we want to go over, just uh, like some news, some releases that uh, we thought were pretty notable. Um, and starting off with games, I know a series that you've been a fan of for many moons in Ghost Recon, uh, the Breakpoint trailer came out. Um, what did you, what did you think of it, especially following Wildlands, which seemed to be pretty well received? Yeah, I, like you mentioned, I'm a huge fan of Ghost Recon and the series the original OG Ghost Recon was one of the very first games that I ever really got into. I remember one of my uncles giving it to me when uh, I first got a gaming console, and it was the first game I ever played competitively on online multiplayer. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just a lifelong fan. So I was obviously excited for it just for that reason alone. But, yeah, like you mentioned, their last installment, Wildlands, I thought was great. And it was well-received. It definitely took the franchise in a direction that it needed to go because the last few installments before that were getting off the rails a bit and were not very well-received, and I didn't really like them all that much. So this this game, Breakpoint, is kind of continuing along that same vein. It's an open-world game, very similar to Wildlands, although it's not set in like a real-life location like Wildlands was. Uh, it's, it's set on a, a, a made-up island. Um, which is a little bit different because that's breaking away from the classic Tom Clancy brand where everything is set in real locations and is meant to be more like a realistic uh, type simulator in, in a lot of ways. But, um, but you know, that's not, that's not like a deal breaker by any stretch of the imagination. And it looks gorgeous. I mean, the place is huge. There's a ton of different variety in, in uh, locales. Um, there's like swamps. There's oceans, obviously, because it's on an island. There's forests. Uh, there's a huge mountain in the middle that you can actually get to the summit of. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just looks super, super awesome. And uh, they're introducing some new gameplay elements to it, specifically on survival. Kind of this idea of getting your ghost operator pushed to their limit or their breaking point, hence the name. And uh, it's not totally clear what that's going to be. It doesn't sound like you're going to have to like micromanage water intake and food, but some of those elements will be there, which will be kind of interesting to see how they... Uh, weave that into the series because that's totally new but but yeah it just it just looks like they're building on the success of wildlands which i think is a really good thing and uh, the trailer uh just looked great looks gorgeous and so um i'm i'm super super excited about it but uh, did you have any thoughts on the trailer or any of the details that were released about it i have some kind of mixed thoughts on it because i do think it looks good it, uh, the trailer looked really good I mean, Wildlands was really solid mechanically, um, and I remember having some fun on it. I'm not really sure. Uh, on to my next <laughs> Maybe. point. Maybe. Up, up for debate. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it looks great, and, um, you know, I've I'm, Tom Clancy games are kind of hit and miss with me. Like, there's some that I really love, like um, Rainbow Six Vegas was, like, one of my favorite Xbox 360 games. So good. So um, underrated. Yeah, Graw 1 as well. I never got into Graw 2 for whatever reason. Um, so it, it looks really good. Um, you know, having John Barenthal in the cast is 
never a bad thing to have legitimate like established actors like that um, is is always going to be a benefit unless it's um, Peter Dinklage in Destiny 1 in which case it's so bad you cut him out of the game entirely <laughs> yeah um, but here's uh, here's my thing so Wildlands is a lot like uh, a few episodes ago when we talked about Borderlands where I liked it but I don't know a single thing about it anymore um like honestly i was thinking about it in wildlands to me i remember helicopters planes and every npc calling everyone else a cabron um sounds about right (laughs) like what i mean you're obviously pretty excited about it and that's totally fine but like why why should i play it sell me on this i i just i don't know i i don't really see I'm not really drawn to it after the forgettable experience of Wildlands. No, that that's a good point. And, you know, the Ghost Recon series really has never been super strong in the storytelling. And to be honest, that's not why I enjoy the games. I, I enjoy them because they're a military simulator. Not that they're, like, super realistic, like Arma 3 or anything crazy, but... But they're a fun military sim that, you know, you can go in and have a lot of fun with your friends. And I think that's where a big draw of it to me is, is just the co-op mechanics of it, where you have to go in and kind of really plan out your assaults. And I thought that was something that Wildlands did a really good job of. You had a lot of different approaches and, and ways you could handle different situations. I thought one thing in Wildlands that struggled was that just got really old after a while because it... it it was kind of limited in how you could do that, even though it was an open world game. There just wasn't like a ton of specializations or weapons, and there wasn't a ton of variety in the encounters that you had. And like literally the entire game is you hunting down cartel members. And so it was just like the same thing over and over again. So I don't honestly expect like a huge difference in that, even with John Bernthal being a part of the story. Like I think he's just kind of a, a character inserted to try and get people excited about the story, but I don't definitely don't expect the story to be a strong point but that being said i do feel like with his insertion into the game with some of the gameplay mechanics they've talked about with the island having a lot more diversity in just the settings and the environments that it is going to have a little bit more diversity to it and even just from a mechanical gameplay standpoint they're adding more specialized classes that you can pick from so like a sniper a rifleman a supportman so on and so forth that can be a little bit more specialized so when you go and play with your friends it's a little bit uh more dynamic and specific in in how you kind of plan your assaults and your approaches so yeah i mean you know again though i i, I don't expect like a huge overhaul of the story it's not going to be a game that pulls you in with its story i think it's more of like a gameplay draw uh, and specifically one to have a good time with your friends because like i mean i never really enjoyed wildlands by myself but i we had a lot of fun uh, like when we played you and me and David and anybody else. So, yeah, I mean, that would be like my selling point to you is is it's not really the story. It's just the gameplay itself. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's a good point. I am now you mentioned all the cartel members. I'm starting to kind of remember things. And it was that literally. Yeah, that, that literally was the entire thing it was like knock off some lower cartel members. You get access to a higher one. When you knock him off, you go to a higher area, do the same thing. It was really stupid. So Yikes. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely try it out. I'm sure there's, I think there was already, like, a closed beta or test or something, so I'm sure there's going to be upcoming things, too. So, 
Yeah, um, one. Well, I, I don't know if we. I don't know if we mentioned the release date though. It's coming out on October. Uh, October. October fourth <laughs> <laughs> uh, of this year. So it's it's coming out pretty soon, which which is exciting, and uh, it'll kind of give you another one of those games to play before kind of the end of your rush. So. Yeah, and uh, coming out similarly on the twenty fifth, pretty much the token opposite style wise. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is in the weird cyclical manner that Activision does things with Call of Duty. It's Infinity Ward back at the table. Um, trailer dropped just as a recording two days ago? A day and a half ago? Not long at all? Yeah, like two days, day and a half, something like that. Um, so it's essentially a reboot of the original Modern Warfare series, which um, uh, you know shows Captain Price being Captain Price and sneaking through jungles and whatnot. Um, smoking cigars <laughs> as he does tactical cigars <laughs> wearing his hat having the mustache all the good stuff yeah dude like cat man i love captain price he's one of my favorite video game characters yeah he's so good so good um there's a lot of cool things they've announced about it but i do want to specifically kind of address the root reboot part of it like are wars so like <laughs> picked over now that we're rebooting war games already <laughs> like yeah what yeah i'm with you i don't totally understand what they mean by that like the way i kind of took it was more of hey we're going back to the modern warfare style and kind of getting back almost like uh almost like what was the what's the what's the world war ii one that that just came out of the call of duty what was it called Uh, that we played a ton of what's the actual yes is that just what it's called (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I thought so, but then I was like, that can't be it. It can't be that simple. But oh, yeah, so like Call of Duty World War Two was kind of a reboot of of like the 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 World War Two or the World War series of the Call of Duty games, right? Like the old school games. It wasn't like going back and trying to remake or anything like that. It was just kind of a reboot of that stuff. So kind of getting back to its roots, more like boots on the ground type stuff. And that was something that we really, I know you and I both mm-hmm. loved. And so that's kind of what I took this as, is it's going back to just the modern warfare boots on the ground, like original OG modern warfare games. But it doesn't sound like that's totally it. Like they're bring, like you mentioned, like Captain Price is back. Even at the end of the trailer, there's like a little audio clip where what's her bucket, you know, person who sends them on missions is asking Captain Price, like, who is your team? And he mentions it's like some old friends, so it's implying that there's going to be other characters from the the older Modern Warfare series coming back. So it does seem soap show up, right? Exactly. So it does seem like a full on reboot, which seems like even in the story aspect of it, which seems kind of strange to me. But I don't know, like if that's what you're thinking. But that's kind of like I thought it was one thing, and now I'm like, oh, actually, it's like a like a full on reboot. Yeah, I'll. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more like specific details about it, but um, it I definitely got the same vibe as you did, and I think that's really weird. Like I totally get like finding a way to bring Price and those characters back, which are like hallmarks of the last generation, pretty much, um, and really where Call of Duty went from being like is Call of Duty as good as Medal of Honor to now Medal of Honor is uh, on the bottom of Call of Duty's boots um, yeah. for the last decade, really. Uh, and 
I mean, I, I don't know, like, it's almost, I also, like, smell some, like, desperation to it, too, like, is Infinity Ward, like, so tapped out that they're just trying to scramble back to the last successful thing they did? Um, I don't know, like, I, it, yeah. I can't tell their motivations for it. Well, I think it's tough, I mean, look at the Halo franchise, I mean, in, in Halo Infinite, the, the all the talk is that they're going back to its roots, even the armor of Master Chief is going to be like old school armor from Master Chief, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. And and they had to do that because when they kind of really branched out and tried to take the game in new directions, they really kind of got hammered for it. And like people didn't want that. Uh, almost very similar to to Star Wars, even you know, with uh, with the Last Jedi taking some different angles and approaches to things. Like people did not like that. And they didn't want something unique. They wanted what they perceive as being classic Star Wars, right? So, That's a good point. In a sense, I feel like people are hoping for that with the Call of Duty franchise. And I think it's a little bit different, though, because I think Call of Duty probably needed it more than those other franchises did. Because I think some of like their future warfare stuff and just like the super twitchy running up walls, like jumping off all the, the walls and, you know, having... Uh, just crazy stuff going on everywhere all the time was getting a little bit out of control <laughs> at least mm-hmm. for me it was uh from a gameplay and story perspective and so like i mentioned like the, the throwback call of duty world war Two, i love that and i'm I'm hoping for more old school call of duty because i like that way more than this like new school crappy call of duty that's been happening over the last several years um but but yeah i mean it is kind of interesting like their motivation behind it and like maybe that's the reason like i'm not totally sure but like at the end of the day i'm just hoping it it's it's back towards the roots because that's really call of duty to me and i feel like that's a much better game and much better approach and and those games overall just had way better stories too yeah uh, i think you made a lot of good points and i mean if it's anything like world war Two style wise which i consider one of the best shooters of this console generation I'm all for it, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll get behind that, and Captain Price is awesome, so uh, I'll, I'll buy it, whatever. Um, anyway, so on as far as the uh, like technical side of things, some kind of inciting, ex- inciting, exciting, but kind of gray area stuff so far about uh, cross-platform play, which they were kind of vague about it, but it looks like you, under certain circumstances, can play between like Xbox and PC and PC and PlayStation and not necessarily all three is that right? Yeah, it's it's not totally clear on just like you said like if you can have one person from each play with each other or even if like someone from Xbox can play with someone on PlayStation because like the language they used is it's going to support crossplay across PC and console and some people are thinking and kind of the talk is it's only going to be PlayStation to PC or Xbox to PC. There's not going to be cross-console play. Um, and if there is, like, you would have to have someone from, like, a PC on and in your party, which seems really odd and really weird. But, but yeah, I mean, so it, it may not be, like, perfect. It may not be true cross-console uh, play between all three of them, but at least it's heading in the right direction because I know that's something you and I have been wanting more of for a long, long time. And to have, like, a major game like that uh, support it in any form or fashion, I think, is a big step forward. Yeah, uh, it's cool. I mean, it's definitely not as uh, sounding as free and open as we would hope it to be. And I think 
most gamers have wanted for decades now. Um, but that's that's pretty cool. I mean, even if it's very circumstantial, you know, it steps in the right direction. And um, I know specifically we've covered it a couple different times, but Sony's kind of been the biggest uh, pushback on cross-platform play. Um, so, it, you know, them kind of breaking down walls is definitely a, a sign of good things to come for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then um, the other thing about content, uh, there isn't a season pass on this one. Um, and the only caveat to that is there is, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, um, PlayStation does still have some exclusivity while they get content seven days early, which I think the last one, it was like a couple months early. So that's right. good. But is that accurate is that what you saw as well yeah that's what i saw and one thing i wanted to point out on this because everyone was like so stoked about it mm-hmm. so no season pass does mean more free stuff like more free maps and whatever it doesn't mean everything's gonna be free like there's still gonna be dlc that you have to pay for so i think that's something that's like not being talked about enough and i mm-hmm. think a lot of people are getting their expectations up like oh sweet like we're just gonna get all free DLC for forever. Like, no, that's like not, that's not what they're doing. That's not going to happen. So, um, so yeah, like it's great because the season pass kind of in the past has been questionable in, in how much they charge and what you actually got for it. It'll be good to get more free content, but don't expect everything to be free. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to, just wanted to put that out there and clarify that. Oh, that's a good point. There's got to read the fine print with that one. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I had one more note on this mm-hmm. that I that I wanted to bring up, and just real quick, we don't have to discuss it a ton, but we kind of covered, you know, content stuff, kind of innovative stuff with the crossplay. I wanted to kind of bring it back to the gameplay again, real quick, because mm-hmm. we did see a little bit of gameplay in the trailer, um, and it looked amazing, by the way. It looks super, super awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that some people have, or at least one person in particular, said that got their hands on the game already. Um, and played it a little bit is they said it was like much darker and much grittier and they're trying to make it like you know very kind of like punch in the mouth type of a game especially in the single player and one way he described it is that he felt like the entire game was of the feeling of no Russian which is of course the infamous mission from previous Call of Duty game that had the option where players could shoot civilians and so I don't know like I read that and I saw a lot of people th- like saying like, "Oh man, like that's awesome!" Like I miss the grittiness and like this and that and but like to describe it in that way like that, <laughs> like in hindsight, especially nowadays with things that are happening in the world, right? Mm-hmm. To have it described in that way that is actually like really concerning to me. And so I get like it's just one person's description of the game, but I really hope that's not the case, at least to that extent. Like I'm fine with like dark gritty kind of punch in the mouth games or whatever that don't apologize. But, but I think we can all agree. Like we don't need more. No Russian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I hadn't heard that take or read it, but hearing you describe it kind of put like a pit in my stomach, man. It's just like, I don't necessarily like, I didn't get like triggered by it or whatever. I'm pretty, you know, not a lot shocks me or scares me or whatever, I guess, is the best way to put it. But I definitely agree that, you, you know, I'm not sure that's something we really need more of out there, especially with, um, you know, what we've talked about in the 
past really year now about how uh, politicians in America have tried to kind of blame video games for all the shootings and stuff. And right. I don't think that's going to help us out here. No, one well, literally, like, that's literally one of the things that's cited the most from those people. Like, they oh, yeah. always refer to that mission in that in that game, so... So yeah, it's definitely definitely concerning. Well, I'll be yeah. We'll we'll have to get our hands on it. Hopefully, they do a beta or something for too long. Cause I'd like to, I like the idea of grittiness, but I hope their approach is definitely different than that. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So yeah, we'll see. But the game does come out October twenty fifth of this year, so it's not that far away. It's a little surprising actually. Um, at least I thought that they that they announced it now. I thought maybe it would have been kind of a cool thing to do at E three, but I get that it's like a cross platform game, so you know, with a lot you know, with like Sony not being at E three, maybe that wouldn't have been the best time to do it, but it still mm-hmm. is E three and it's just so close. Like they might as well have waited to do it then, but I also get the idea of, of releasing this to kinda of get out in front of the whole news cycle of E three. So uh but yeah, the the release date will be on October twenty fifth, so not that very uh far away. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with the timing too. I think it's a power play by PlayStation or Sony. I'm trying to take away from E3. But um speaking of the for some reason much anticipated Death Stranding finally got not even a trailer like a small movie. Um <laughs> and it uh your notes for it were all caps WTF. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that sums it up pretty well. I I watched it last night, and the whole time I was like, "What am I watching? Like, yep. what is going on?" And like, it's just so all over the place, man. You have like the whatever the hell they called it, like the baby pouch. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, literally. I don't even know. Then who helps you like see dead people or something? Yeah, you can, like, see the past or the future. Like, it was so unclear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I have no idea. I have no idea what this game is about still. Like, for a while, I didn't even know if it was a game. Like, that's how confusing this whole development cycle has been. Like, do you remember the first couple trailers we got of this freaking thing? Like, I feel like we've been waiting for this. Naked with a baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, the only consistent thing in this is that Mads Mikkelsen's been in, like, almost all their trailers, I think. But other than that, <laughs> like, I still have no freaking clue what this game's about. The trailer is bizarre. Um, there are very many shades of Mad M- Mads Mikkelsen in it, though. There's, like, Professor Mads Mikkelsen with glasses. There's, like, Mads Mikkelsen with black stuff coming out of his eyes. There's, like, Mad Mikkelsen with blood on his face. There's like all very. If you like Mads Mikkelsen, definitely go check it out because he's got lots of different, <laughs> lots of different poses and you know. Mad Mikkelsen <laughs> improv hour. Yeah. So, like that's one thing to look forward to, I guess, is like more performances from him. But, but yeah, I don't know, man. It feels like Quentin Tarantino like tried to make like a horror video game and like collaborated with Konami or something. Like, I don't, I have no idea what's going on. It just is really, really bizarre. But if that's like your thing, definitely go check out the trailer. And I guess it got a release date for PlayStation as well. So, yeah. Like, good on them. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, man. It's just so weird. Like, what I kind of thought, I think the Quentin Tarantino um, comparison is awesome because I kind of felt like Hideo Kojima's almost like, I will make this the weirdest crap possible and people are gonna eat it up and like call it brilliant 
Yeah, um, and stick some famous people in there with good mocap. Yeah, and I just like the parts of it they showed that were gameplay too. Just looked so like, eh, like the gunplay. Eh. Um, <laughs> just looked like weird. And then when he was like getting his extendo, his go-go gadget extendo ladder from his backpack, it just yeah. like popped out of his spine. He like pulls his box out with a ladder coming out of it, and then that ladder <laughs> becomes like a hundred foot ladder. It's so weird, dude. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's just. Uh... And then he's like running away from guys that are throwing like electrical spears, <laughs> chasing him with backpack. a stick. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden, like, you're in World War II or something. It was just so weird. So, so weird. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh... I, I can honestly say that one is not, uh, not one I'm I'm gonna probably ever play. But, I mean, yeah. people seem to be in love with it, so good so on you. Weird. Yeah, that that's as weird as, like, the trailers. I have no idea why there's, like, any hype around this game. It's so odd. I don't know. I like. Oh my gosh, dude! It would not surprise me if they came out with like a collector's edition. There's like three hundred bucks that came with a baby pouch. Oh, dude! Gosh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah, and people <laughs> would eat that up. They would totally buy it. Oh, dude, that would be sold out instantly. Um. So, yeah. I mean, a couple last things here. Uh, WWC nineteen. WWE. Yeah, I did say the right. Yeah. Yeah, 2019, <laughs> starting on June 3rd. I got all this death stranding in my head, and everything's all everything's all blurring. Well, out. it doesn't help that it sounds like a like a Royal Rumble wrestling tournament <laughs> <laughs> either. So yeah, it's true. Oh, but yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, it starts on on June 3rd, goes to the 7th. Just all Apple stuff for those of you who are Apple consumers, like I am. Um, there's really not like a ton to talk about. Like the rumors are basically there's going to be a bunch of iOS updates to like Apple TV to like their just like general iOS for everything else, and then like maybe a new MacBook Pro. So like not a ton to touch on, but yeah, just like if that's something you're into, be sure to tune into that. And you know that's that's something going on as well with uh, E3 here coming up. So yeah, and that's I mean I feel with those especially with like Apple and. Like the Samsung, like mobile type stuff, it's really just like kind of copy and paste from last year. Yeah, well, especially this year, I feel like Apple doesn't have like a ton of hardware, like especially groundbreaking hardware stuff to announce or talk about. Like, there's been talk of like 6K Retina screens or whatever, but like, why? Like, who, yeah, like who freaking cares? Like, that's not really anything to get excited about. So, and it's like, it just seems like one of those years where it's severely lacking on the hardware and it's like heavy iOS software type stuff. So, which is not all that exciting to me personally. I'm more of a hardware guy myself. Um, like I literally don't do updates for my Apple products because I actually believe that they like ruin your older products and I have all older products. So I particularly don't care about this year's <laughs> show. So, so yeah, I just, but yeah, it's, it's bah something humbug. if you want to watch. Yeah, pretty much. I'm a, I'm an Apple Bahamba in it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you never know. Maybe there'll be something coming out of left field on that. Um, and last little thing, uh, Warner Brothers announced that Robert Pattinson is going to be the new Batman, and people took that well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they expected when they thought Ben Affleck was like the number one choice. Like what the how brilliant the next choice was going to be. Yeah, but... yeah. Well, I mean, Ben Affleck is a better choice probably but <laughs> bold statement <sighs> yeah i maybe at this point it is but but yeah everyone freaked out um which was interesting because wb 
like originally came out and they're like no like he's our guy and like confirmed the reports but then they like came out and they're like no like that's not actually true he's like not under contract like negotiations are still ongoing Uh-oh. and and now like no one knows like what actually is happening so people are trying to figure out like maybe if everybody flipping out about it is actually making them withdraw that and maybe go find somebody else and there's some rumors on potential options and maybe they're actually some talk that WB is negotiating with several parties simultaneously, which is a really way like hmm. a really weird way to approach it. But yeah, like not anything I really care about to be honest, but it was like such a huge thing that I saw so many people talking about. I thought it'd be kind of interesting to mention and uh, put it out there for people to know about. So yeah, it'd be interesting if it's all deliberate, if they're negotiating with multiple parties, they're just like, we're going to, pin talks here we're gonna leak it to the media and see what happens and go from there yeah. oh it's kind of smart in a way because it it gets like media pub which you know any publicity is good publicity sort of um but then it also <laughs> like lets them test run it you know like kind of see what the what the people think and then if people freak out like they did they can just be like oh yeah like we're gonna change course and go a different direction and JK. save them a lot of money and time you know so i don't know just kind of interesting but we'll kind of see if what ends up officially happening there probably in the near future so yeah well we'll have to keep an eye on it um and we did mention uh e3 a couple times here um e3 starts on uh the like big press conferences start on uh june 9th which is just as of this recording it's about a week away um so we're going to do some coverage on it quite a bit of coverage and i think last year we ended up with two very full episodes it totaled like over three hours um and uh we have a couple different ideas are floating around but we'll definitely have some coverage and some content so just keep an eye on our twitter account at alpha build pod and we're we'll get some updates out there when we have things finalized um but we did talk about it earlier um now we're gonna kind of get into the the bigger bigger things here um starting off with game of thrones final season uh i you know, it kind of goes without saying, but we will be talking about everything, you know, spoilers and all. So, um, you know, now's your chance to, to pause it and come back when you climb out from under your rock and watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, if you uh, haven't watched it by now, that's really impressive. So, like, yeah. <laughs> especially if, you, if you've if you been able to avoid spoilers, because literally everybody was talking about it and had no regard for people and just spoilers everywhere, like, as the episode is happening, so... Like, oh, good dude. on you, <laughs> if, yeah. you're, if you're still there. That's impressive. You must be living in, like, a cabin powered by wood. I just wood-fired everything. <laughs> um, powered by wood. Um, <laughs> Novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Walls are made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I will if you want to avoid it. You know, I put all the timestamps in the episode description so you can know when to skip forward and backward and all that. Um, as you said, we'll get to John Wick uh, at the end of the show. But, um, yeah, I mean, getting into it, uh, to put it lightly, it definitely has been very controversial. I don't know that there's been, I can't think of anything that's caused so much of an immediate, just like absolute uproar. It actually, no, it feels like you take everything that happened with The Last Jedi and you just like shake it up a little bit and like throw it onto Game of Thrones and uh everyone's everyone's really pissed half people are really pissed 
Yeah, what I would say it's even worse than that because it's it had so much more time to fester. Like with each mm-hmm. passing episode, it just got like worse and worse and worse, and it and people kept building on it, and and so in a, in a lot of ways, I think it's a, a lot worse than the stuff we saw at the Last Jedi because that was like a flash in the pan, and then everyone like got over it or didn't, but like mm-hmm. kind of you know moved on. And but this was just like every week it got brought up again, and you know it just it got ugly by the end for sure. Oh, it never stopped. It was seven days of just absolute hellfire and brimstone online until there was more stuff to, uh, you know, freak out about on the next Sunday. Yeah, yeah. But but, um, I know that you and I have some differing opinions on it. Uh, You know, I think that... uh, Man, I don't know. I don't even know how to get into it here. (laughs) I know. It's like, how do you you freaking skin this pig? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think that there's definitely a lot of valid criticisms out there and, um, I would kind of opening salvo criticism wise would say that, um, I think a good way to describe it was kind of rushed or maybe more accurately condensed, which, I mean, there's a long discussion as to the justifications for that and, if it makes sense or whatever, but well, well, let's just let's just talk about that then real quick before, we, because I I do think that's like an important thing to bring up, and that's like one of my criticisms of it. Mm-hmm. So, like I, because I agree, like it definitely felt super condensed, right? Like, and I know you and I again, like we have different opinions. I'm one of those people that were like freaking out about that, <laughs> um, and like freaking out about everything as it happened. I've I've kind of calmed down since then. I've gone from this season was horrendous to this season was just bad. Um, so you know, I've kind of scaled that back just a little bit. But <laughs> but yeah, like Good for I. You. <laughs> but I do think like my number one criticism and the thing that I hated the most was that it was being, it just felt way too rushed. And I think the reason why it bothered me so much is because that's to me, that's not game of Thrones. Like that is totally against everything. Game of Thrones. Like they take the time to develop and tell stories and, and they really, you know, do a good job with that. And that's what made it so great. And this just was the total opposite. So like, where like like you mentioned that that's something that you feel like is valid but i mean is it do you feel like to the extent of which people are describing it or do you feel like that's unfair or like there's some justification for doing that like where are you on that specifically i've thought a lot about that question um as i lie awake in bed every night um and i have kind of mixed feelings about it because i think that let me just kind of overarch it and say that most criticisms are kind of being just a little bit too just blown out of the water with people's outrage and, you know, maybe dial it back a bit. Um, I think that now having a lot of time, having a few weeks to kind of ruminate about it, I do feel that although it was rushed at the same time, I think it could have gone poorly the other way too. Like I, I almost kind of have this thought of like better too little than too much. Um, Cause I, I just think about it. Like if they go back to old school game of Thrones where it's almost like real time and it's going to take three episodes for them to get to the battle of Winterfell to like Danny and the army, even getting to King's landing, people will be just complaining like mad dude that like, why are we just like, piddling along doing nothing and i i think it's like a just kind of a lose-lose almost 
and there may have been a happy medium there. Um, you know, execution is definitely a question, but I just don't know that. I don't know that there was a winning move with that because that was the biggest jump for me. Condensing is kind of like in season seven when, um, you know, Gendry ran to the wall, got a crow to Daenerys who flew her dragon there in like five minutes, um, which was way more egregious in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's really no different than that. And people were kind of like, eh, about that and then got over it. So right. I, I don't know, man. I I just don't know how I feel, to be well, totally honest. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up from Season 7 because that definitely made zero sense and was very egregious in, in my opinion. Um, but at, this, like, at the same time, I feel like this entire season was that way. And, and like I get that you don't want it to take like a whole season just for them to march down to the castle and like whatever, whatever. Be, and because I mean, especially now because you've you, you've developed so many of these characters so much, like how much more can you actually develop? Like how much more can you get from Arya and the Hound talking to each other on the road? You know, like they've they've done that a lot over yeah, for like three seasons. Exactly. So I I understand that point, but and I, and I think that's where. A lot of that is understandable and justifiable, but I think just the overall execution of it wasn't very good because they've done stuff like this in other seasons where, um, you know, like I'm thinking when uh, the Stark army went and surprise attacked uh, uh, Jamie's army and and they ended up taking Jamie as a captive, right? Like that that sequence happened very quickly, even though they didn't um, even show a battle; they just showed up back with him. Right. Exactly. So. And, and but in that sense, like that to me, and I'm not even sure how, how to put my thumb on it, but just the way that was executed because it was talked about, it was built up to, and and then even after it, like there was a lot of like post that action or that sequence happening, like there was a lot of post stuff that and consequences and and story arcs that spun off of it and so on and so forth that were explained and tied into everything. So I don't know, like maybe it's just like in that kind of a sense that just the execution of it wasn't as good as it was in past seasons when they did kind of do that hyperspeed to like time jumps. Like I'm really not sure what it is, but overall it, to me, it just felt like a lot of like that scene you mentioned with Gendry. It was just like, okay, we're here and now this is happening and this is happening. And like, I just was like all over the place so fast. It just was hard to keep up with. And I don't know. It just felt very much like that scene in, but spanned out over the entire season. Yeah. And I mean, the other point I want to make to that is to just like contradicting criticism, not with you, but with a lot of people I've unfortunately heard from, um, people were like complaining the first two episodes of the season that stuff wasn't happening. Like they set it up as like the army of the dead is on top of Winterfell almost in the last season. And they're like taking two episodes to get to the fighting and stuff. And then when they cut to fighting sooner in the coming episodes, people are now like, why is all this fighting? Why is there no character (laughs) development and stuff? And I'm just like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like you're arguing against yourself right now. Right. And I think that is a great example. That's a symptom of people just not being happy because it's not going the way exactly that they expected or wanted. Mm-hmm. Right, and I, I definitely agree with you. That kind of criticism is unwarranted and is unfair because if you're that kind of person, no matter what they did, unless it matched perfectly what it was that you expected to happen in your mind, you were never going to be happy because 
you know, especially for me, like, ironically enough, like, those episodes are probably the best episodes in the entire season, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because they are, like you mentioned, a little bit slower, a little bit more like all the other seasons, all the other episodes, whereas I felt like after those episodes, everything was just like a dead-on sprint to the finish, and just things were super, super rushed, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very, very valid point to bring up. And I think it's an important one for people to understand and maybe to take a minute to think about like, Hey, am I really one of those people that, like you said, is arguing against myself because there are a ton of people out there that are, that are critiquing this, that are doing exactly that, that they're totally changing their tune from the start of the season compared to the rest of the season. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point about expectations too. And I, I think that people are trying to play it off as not being a factor, but I think the two biggest or a few biggest things, it is like one of the biggest phenomenons in cinema or TV, however you want to put it, history. Um, It's been like uh, not necessarily festering, but it's been building anticipation for almost two years and people are so attached to like every character and all the storylines and every possible thing that could play out. And I think that a lot of people are kind of veiling that and, you know, lashing out with their frustration in other ways. And, you know, as I said, I mean, the season is not perfect. I liked it and I would even classify it as good for reasons I'll talk about in a bit. Um, but you know, I just, I don't know. I wish that more people could be objective and realistic about it, I guess. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's definitely fair to, to bring up and to expect, but, but people are crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's too high of expectations, but, um, True. but one thing I did want to add on to that, that's kind of goes along with this discussion that mm-hmm. another criticism that I had, you know, again, I felt like things were just way too rushed, but I think as, as as a symptom of that or as like a byproduct of that there was just a lot of inconsistencies or like things that were unexplained or just things that were just really kind of odd and and what happened um especially near the end uh you know the whole scene with uh you know Tyrion being brought out by Grey Worm in chains and and they're having that big council about who to elect to be king and and Grey Worm's like, yeah, we're, like, super pissed, and, like, we we want justice, and yada yada. But then, like, all of a sudden, they're just like, well, actually, like, this council's going to decide what's going to happen, and whatever we say is going to be, like, what we're going to do. And then Grey Worm's like, oh, yeah, like, of course, like, we'll, like, we'll totally do that. And then that whole sequence, like, unfolds, which there's a lot of weird things within that sequence itself that we could talk about, but I won't get into. Um, but then, like, likewise, like, at the end kind of along the same lines like the unsullied are the people in control and like have this big army which by the way is never really explained where that comes from like everyone apparently died at winterfell but then all of a sudden they have a massive army again um like where did those people come from like where did the more unsullied come from like where did more dothraki come from like you know that's just another example of like okay like what exactly happened here like we're moving through things so fast like that was never explained or even talked about or even mentioned um but yeah like just kind of continuing on that same thing like then solely are super pissed and then like the whole thing they elect a king whatever whatever but then they're like no like Jon snow like we definitely want justice for him because he killed our queen and then all of a sudden it's decided they're going to send Jon snow to the wall 
which is like fine and all, but then like the Unsullied leave anyway. So then it's like, well, what, like, why does it matter if we send Jon Snow to the wall if the Unsullied are just going to leave? Like, they're the people we're trying to appease, and now they're not even going to be around. So why, like, why do we care about appeasing them? Why not just bring Jon Snow back? You know, it's just, I don't know, like, there was just like a lot of things like that that I felt like the writing broke down because they were trying to rush through things so fast. Whereas, like, especially like early on in the season, even though things were happening quickly, the writing integrity was still there for the most part, even if it was things that people didn't agree with. But by the end, I felt like just the rapidity of the the pacing of the season definitely led to some breakdown in the writing. I don't know if that is something you agree with or not, but I don't know. It just seemed like there were several instances like that where I was like, what the freak <laughs> like is actually going on like this? Like this makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I think there's there's some truth there, or at least something I'd agree with there. Um, because I wouldn't necessarily say it's a writing breakdown as much as it's a big reliance on subtext. Um, things, kind of as you said, things weren't ex- explained as well as they needed to be. Like with Grey Worm, just kind of what I took that from as far as even him having the commanding army is he's always been... Uh, like a slave and and kind of had to acknowledge the um what do the what does the freaking military call it can't remember all of a sudden he has to acknowledge like the hierarchy mm-hmm. so much so he i guess he acknowledges them as leaders and he's certainly not a ruler i think he's made that very clear so i don't know i think that's one of those things where like you can take the slave out of slavery but you can't take the slavery out of the slave um He's still, you know, even though he's been freed and Danny broke his wheel or however you want to put it, he is still, you know, at his core, he kind of obeys those figures. He knows his place in a way. And I hope that doesn't come off as offensive. I don't know. No, but like, but like, I guess that's kind of my point, though, is to me as an audience member, I don't feel like I should be expected to have to justify that much stuff and work through that much and connect that many dots. You know what I mean? I think in a lot of ways, like you have to walk the audience through things, at least in enough of a way that to them, it it makes logical sense in the moment. Whereas a lot of things didn't make logical sense in the moment, even like small things like Arya, we saw her like at the end of you know Danny burning the whole city down like she was on this white horse riding away and then at the beginning of the next episode she like isn't on a horse and she's you know just off doing whatever and I like I don't know there was just like so many there was just so many little things where I was I was just fighting to try and like make up some story like some background story that made it to make sense but I it, it just was frustrating to me as someone watching the show no, that's fair. And, uh, I mean, the th- emphasis I'd put on that is that they are, even if they are many, there are little things, too. At least the ones we've talked about so far. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I'd rather, if there's time to be spent, like, I'd rather it be spent on, like, Tyrion's two badass monologues in that last episode, rather than explaining, you know, Grey Worm's motivations or whatever. Um, because even, I don't know, he's always, to me, he's always been, like, total badass and important, but, like, kind of a disposable character, too. Um, like, yeah, I was, I was surprised he actually made it all the way to the end, to be honest. Yeah, it makes sense. He too. did seem very disposable. 
Like he's at the end of the day, he's just a military leader who has a girlfriend. That's yeah. all he really is. Yep. Yep. Um, but man, there's so much to talk about. I just I'm trying to think of the big hitters here. So I mean, as far as positive things, I think that there are some things that are just friggin' phenomenal with this season. Um, the biggest things to me start off with Ramin Jawadi freaking score this season was incredible that dude did some serious heavy lifting throughout the season um some of the cinematography was some of the best i've seen in game of thrones um like especially my favorite like single frame shot of any game of thrones episode was probably with uh danny walking up to like her conquered conquering army or whatever and has drogon's wings behind her that's freaking sweet yeah that was amazing um, just like all the crazy shots, like there was so much of this season that was focused on like Drogon and these big, big, like all CGI pieces and they all looked just incredible. And, um, I know that in last season that's been prohibitive, like ghost wasn't even in the battle of the bastards cause he was too costly to, um, like animate and have throughout there. So I like that they spent the resources to make those big things look really good. Um, and, I mean, there were so many individual performances that were incredible, too. Um, as I said, Tyrion's monologues, mostly two monologues. Jon Snow said about six words in one of them in the last episode, <laughs> as yeah. he does. Just looks confused and mumbles things. I can't do it. <laughs> My honor. <laughs> Oh, John, you idiot. Uh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite is, I think, something that people have kind of thrown away. Um, was Jonathan Bradley playing Samuel Tarley when Danny and Jorah are telling him that they killed his father and brother. And it's just, like, close up on him and just, like, showing his range of emotions as he's realizing, like, his dad has been burned to death and kind of coming to terms with it because his dad was a total dick. And then that his brother he actually liked is also dead and trying to also be like observant of the fact that this is his ruler now. I thought was pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I, I think the, I'll say this. I think the actors did the best that they could in this final season with the material that they were given. Uh, even if some of the actors maybe weren't such a huge fan of it, which, you know, that's been kind of circulating recently that, uh, maybe not all of them agreed with the writing and you know I think it's hard to have good performances when maybe the writing's not totally great which you know is debatable I guess but but yeah like overall I felt like everyone had great performances and like you said it looked amazing and it's funny because I, I saw a lot of people complain about like the CGI and how it looked not good and what? I just yeah like I just didn't see that like at all you know like some there's some amazing CGI shots like you mentioned uh, Drogon himself was incredible. Yeah, well, like, like at the battle, the the Battle of Winterfell, there was a lot, a lot of really cool scenes that were very CGI heavy. So I, I don't know, I, I don't get that criticism, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking for positives in this season, like those are definitely some really good strong ones that you brought up. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts? I've talked a lot. I feel like, <laughs> what, what are you thinking? No, I mean, I think just you know, in summary, like for my point, like I think I kind of covered my my criticisms and I agree with your positives. Uh, I definitely wouldn't go to the extent of calling it good. I, you know, I'm still going to say it was bad. 
Um, but I definitely don't think it's as bad as people probably think it is currently and, and definitely not as bad as people thought it was uh, during the season as people were reacting to it live. I mean, sure, there's, like, stuff I would change. Um, and I think, you know, that's true for pretty much everybody. But just because it's not what you would have done or what you would have liked to see doesn't mean it's bad or it should be a negative thing. Um, so I think a lot of like the final points of what happened and, and like the actual, you know, ending concluding points, I, I don't have a huge problem with like a lot of people do. Cause you know, again, like I, I just can't expect all those to end up the way I want them. It's just more about like the journey that we went on to get there. I really feel like they needed at least one more season to kind of give this the time it needed to really be executed really well. And from my understanding, like the writers had an opportunity to sign up for another season and they said no. And, you know, that's where I, I just look at it and really wonder if the writers really kind of just got burned out and were sick of it, wanted to be done with it, especially with, like I mentioned, how I feel like the writing broke down as things progressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. Like if you're a fan of the series, you know, depending on your perspective, like you're either going to love it, you're going to hate it or be somewhere in the middle, but it is a conclusion and we needed a conclusion. And, you know, it's, it's one that I can live with. It's not one that I'm going to like just totally despise forever and ever. Um, you know, and that's like good enough for me, which is, you know, again, an unfortunate and disappointing end to something that is so awesome. And I really enjoyed, uh, watching up until this point, but, but, you know, it is what it is and, you know, it, it could have been worse, could have been better. Yeah. And I think there's, a long conversation to be had about the writing and maybe the motivations between turning down the extra episodes and everything. And David and I had talked about it um, off the cuff when we were playing a game the other night or a few weeks ago. And I almost wonder if, like, they were left holding a bag they didn't sign up to hold. Um, Because when the series started... um, it was, uh, I think it was right after the end of season one, A Dance of Dragons book five came out. So I almost wonder if there was like a pretext of the books were going to be finished by then and they ended up having to write two books worth of show content, basically. Yeah. Um, so I just wonder if they were just like, you know, we didn't sign up for this to build out the entire ending of this enormous world. Right. Well, in like in some ways I feel bad for them because they they ran out of their source material and their source material was great and they had all these crazy huge expectations and then like you said they they got into it a lot further than they probably ever expected and they they had a huge writing load put on them and so so yeah, like I think that's a fair point, but you know, at the same time I don't think it should excuse them. Um yeah. because it it I don't know, it, to me it just it definitely could have been better. And I, I just think a lot of it could have been better had they just given it more time. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know what you do with that or what you're supposed to think of it. It's just, you know, again, like, it is kind of what it is. You know, you could argue all you want about the different points and whatever, but I think people are just going to think what they want about it. Yeah, and I think you made a really good point about, um, you know, just having, I think time is going to heal a lot of wounds with this. You know, looking back and people may be watching again in a few years. I think it's going to be a lot different light once a lot of the kind of emotion, the knee-jerk type stuff is removed from it. But um, I think that uh, it's also good to remember that, uh, you know, it was, even if it wasn't what we wanted at the ending all the way, 
you know, it was an incredible show that gave us something to look forward to for a decade, um, for every every week essentially, and then you know, ten long months waiting for it to come back. And uh, you know, it's you'd never know how many shows like that we'll see of this caliber, you know, in in our lifetimes. You know, it was a really special thing, and you know, hopefully the something good comes of the three kind of prequels or whatever they're doing the kg details they've put out yeah no absolutely and and just real quick before we kind of wrap this up just Mm -hmm. as like a kind of a quick aside what are just some shows just maybe some names and quick little hitters on them what are some shows that you would recommend people watch now that they don't have game of thrones to watch every week well i know our simultaneous answer is chernobyl um, if you haven't been watching that, then you need to seriously reevaluate your life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, oh my, I don't even know how to, how to start, man. It's freaking incredible. Like, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's like incredible and amazing and horrifying and just like so many things at once. It is freaking brilliant. Yeah, well, and if and if you don't know what we're talking about, hopefully you haven't canceled your HBO subscription yet because it is on HBO. It's mm-hmm. not like a TV series, so that's kind of the unfortunate part about it. It's a mini series, so uh, actually, I believe the last episode is coming up on this next week, right? So yeah, fifth and um, final episode. Yeah, so it's kind of a bummer. It's only going to be five episodes long, but it uh, it really is amazing. Obviously, it's about Chernobyl. It's kind of like a docu series. It's like i don't know what exactly you'd call it it's not like a documentary but yeah it's like, it's a, like tr- a dramatized documentary. yeah yeah of. exactly so but it i mean it's it's absolutely amazing so yeah like if you you know again hopefully you haven't canceled your subscription because game of thrones is done because that is more than worth uh more than worth it to keep it and uh to, to at least watch that little mini series before you get rid of it it's it's absolutely awesome yeah it uh i was already like thinking earlier today like the first thing i'm gonna do when the last episode drops is probably rewatch the entire season again oh yeah definitely. or the series um it's uh it's made me afraid of my microwave i'm using my microwave since i started watching it <laughs> we may have to just talk about it more in another episode because it's so good it probably deserves uh a little bit more discussion than just us saying how amazing it is but yeah the microwave thing <laughs> i know you sent us a thing in the chat where it was like a watch that detects radiation <laughs> the geiger counter watch. yeah it'll make you terrified <laughs> of radiation so uh oh, fair fair warning but uh but yeah so other than that though like anything anything else that you would recommend to people i i actually don't really watch a ton of shows so and i I was on like hyperdrive binge mode for Game of Thrones to catch up. So <laughs> yeah, you were. And the pace that was incredible, by the way. Yeah, I think I think I got through it. What in like three weeks, something? If that, three, three and a half weeks, something like that. So like I could see your progress, and I'm like, holy crap, he's on season five already. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I tried to watch like a whole season each weekend, or at least most of one, <laughs> and then I I watched at least one episode every night. I was I was cooking, so. Uh, it was impressive. I was legitimately like, oh, that's a incredible pace. <laughs> I did catch up though, so it was it was good. It was actually really fun watching mm-hmm. it in that condensed uh, of a time because it just kept everything so seamless and could remember a lot of things from previous seasons because I literally watched it like yesterday. So um, <laughs> it was pretty fun. But but yeah, like I mean, I'm watching Chernobyl. But is like there anything else you would recommend for people like me who who need something else? 
Um, I'm catching up to a lot of things right now. Um, like my wife and I just started a Handmaid's Tale last night or two nights ago, just barely. We're like four or five episodes in. We talked about it a little bit in the pre-show. Um, but uh, I also started watching Deadwood and sort of relevant because as of today uh, of this recording uh, the Deadwood movie came out uh, which is one of the series that I guess it was just like before my time I was too young for it at the time or whatever but I just kind of never really bothered with it um, or never got around to it or what have you I'm so far so good I'm about halfway through the first season and you know I'm not I've talked about it before I'm not a huge western fan but it's still pretty good and I mean uh you know but the movie coming out it's never bad to you know give it a shot now yeah no I I don't really know much about it but I've seen the stuff where and it looks super interesting so yeah I'll definitely have to go check that out yeah you never go wrong with swindling Ian McShane <laughs> never all right so before we get to kind of the tail end here in John Wick 3 and our thoughts about it I just want to take a quick ad break uh, to uh, let you guys know about our other offerings. Um, So we did actually just release, uh, or launch rather, a new Patreon page at patreon.com slash blackarrow, where uh, if you'd like to support us in any manner, you can support for as little as a dollar, and we do have multiple rewards for that, uh, different tiers we can We'll be putting out like extra podcast episodes. Um, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, our pre-show. We usually talk about ridiculous stuff in the pre-show before we actually start the recording itself. Not usually. We absolutely definitely <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, we uh, got into like earlier, like mole people and uh, all these different... <laughs> Conspiracy theories and cults and all sorts of interesting stuff. So It's weird. I... Um, man it's they're like tidbits that are don't fit the show but they're too good to like waste like they're i listen to them when i'm editing and i was there have been a couple where i've been laughing to tears re-listening to them (laughs) they're pretty Uh, great definitely definitely worth it we uh yeah it's it's worth it so i mean it's uh if you want to support us you know anywhere as little as a dollar you know it all helps just goes toward production costs and hosting costs and all that um, and then, uh, just in the effort of making things as accessible as possible, um, we did get on a few more podcasting platforms. Um, we just hit Spotify last week, um, which I know you and I are big users of. So, um, you know, that's one less app you have to deal with. Um, and then a few kind of lesser known ones like Radio Public, we're on there now as well. But I just want to keep making things available for you and uh, as always we do our weekly streams you know check out our twitter account at alphabuildpod for all the updates for that and let's get to john wick 3 um so we saw it a couple days after release uh i uh man so it's i think it came in i had super high expectations because john wick one and two were brilliant they're like one of those instant classics almost of just that uh, like um, pure action movie um, and I uh, I've thought about it a lot and I don't know that I have any criticisms of it 
yeah, no, I'm with you. This movie absolutely nailed it. Like, it was so good. Uh, it, it's one of those, especially for an action movie, it's one of those, as soon as you get done watching it, you want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Because it just, it's so good. And the action sequences are so good. And, I mean, it's, it's John Wick, so, like, the storyline is kind of, you know, interesting and, and kind of weird. And not everything makes sense. Um, in, <laughs> yeah. in like a realistic kind of a way. I mean, everything makes sense within the context of the universe, but oh man, yeah, like it, it just like hit on every single thing, like every single expectation that you could have possibly had for it. I I thought it totally nailed it. So I I'm with you. I came in with really high expectations as well, especially because I I hadn't seen the second John Wick film until pretty close to what I guess it was like less than a week. Um, before we went and saw the third one together, and yeah, uh, I asked you if you wanted to go see it, and you're like, "I watched the second one last night." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like within a few days, even so, and and that one to me was absolutely incredible. Like some of the action sequences in that, and the cinematography is probably some of the best you'd ever see in any action film. Um, so to go from that into this, like like you, my expectations were just super high, and yeah, like I like I really don't have any criticisms of it like it's just so stinking good it was awesome yeah and it's kind of an uh i guess kind of a way to uh, epitomize how good it is my wife is into action movies but you know not like you and i are uh we went to see aladdin the other night uh she wanted to see it which you know quick review it was aladdin um <laughs> stunner yeah <laughs> It, uh, yeah, anyway, so as we were walking in, I just looked over and saw the John Wick poster. I'm like, oh, man, I want to go see that again. She's like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. You definitely, like I said, like, you want to go see it instantly again, like, after you get out of the theater. It's just incredible. It's like getting off a roller coaster, like, I want to go again. Exactly. That's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, one thing I think that might have been the most incredible thing about it, like, just, uh, um, like production in and of itself is it's so just action packed. Like they're definitely very tactical and very needed breaks. Cause it is a very visceral movie. Oh yeah. Much like the other ones. But I think it would have been so easy to get fatigued and like, Oh, he's just shooting another guy. Um, but it's like edgier seat the whole time. Um, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie that I keep coming back to in my mind in the beginning when he's, um, you know, waiting for the excommunicado to go through, he's got his little time frame Uh and he has that like knife fight in that store. Uh, Dude, the, just the, um, the flaws, the created flaws in it, like the reality of it was awesome because they're just like chucking knives at each other from like five (laughs) feet away. And so good. Like, I love that it was real enough to where, like, nothing was landing. Like, almost all of them were just, like, bouncing off because they were, like, hitting wrong. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Like, literally, knives are, like, bouncing off each other because they're just (laughs) throwing just crazy amounts at each other. And, yeah, it was just Like, throwing handfuls after handfuls and hoping one hits. (laughs) It's so great. Oh, man, and the collective theater groan with that, like, knife eye thing. Oh, dude. dude, that was, like, so just cringeworthy. Just the slow... And, like, the grinding noise, too. Oh, like, you know, that kind of that Ugh. knife on bone, like, going into the eye socket, but it's also, like, squishy with the eye. Oh, man, it was 
was just so brutal. It was so good. Oh, dude. Like, they set it up. The first thing that happens, basically, is he snaps Boban's neck, and then you're like, man, it can't get nastier than that. And not just snaps his neck. He snaps it on a freaking book. (laughs) Kills him with a book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way. This is a pencil. Now it's a book. Yeah. By the way, great job by Boban. If you don't know, the giant guy in that is an NBA player, an active NBA player who's actually not half bad. And he did a really good job, I thought. Um, both he did real good. Yeah, both with his dialogue and in his fighting. So that was that was actually really uh, surprising and really fun. So yeah, that was uh, yeah they uh, they just hit the ground running with that. There was no like even time to catch your breath. Yeah. Um, it was uh, man. I just it was so good. I I have so many things I loved about. It, I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, um, well, and just like on that same sequence, so going back to the 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 fight with all the knives and stuff, like I mean, this is the type of film it is to end that to end the sequence. He turns around and lobs a freaking axe across oh, the yeah. room into a guy's head. <laughs> like that's what they do to end it. It's not like you know he walks away and there's guys like groaning on the ground and then it like cuts away like. There's guys groaning on the ground, and then he spins around and throws an axe into the guy's head, and then leaves. <laughs> it just, Dude, it's so just nerdy. so like absurd and just amazing all at the same time. It's just so good, so good, and like I think that story wise too, like it was not the most complicated thing, and definitely like it wasn't. I wouldn't say anything was like surprising or shocking. Like you could see stuff coming you know it was pretty yeah um you know transparent and it reminded me a lot of like story-wise how like diehard movies the old ones um and like the new mission impossible like super exactly yep but it's just so brilliantly done that it just doesn't even matter no i Um, i totally agree and and that's exactly what i thought of is is the newer mission impossible movies because i mean that was the exact thing that we said when we reviewed those is Hey, look, like the story is, it's fine. It's good. It's whatever, but it's so well executed that it just, it just makes for a really, really great film. And that's exactly what this did, which is totally fine. Like it doesn't have to have some crazy intricate, you know, story or anything with surprises or twists. It, it just has to be executed really well. And I mean, that's, you know, again, like that's exactly what it did. It just nailed it. So good. I, um, yeah, I mean, other big things I would say is just the timing and the choreography of the fight in I don't I don't remember what the location's called, but with Halle Berry's character in that um, in Bronze Temple or whatever, and they're trying to escape and it has <laughs> yeah. all the dogs simultaneously attacking. Like the ability to time all that with like dogs taking down people while in like the background of the foreground, John or. Hallie's like taking down other people as well was incredible like I can't even imagine how difficult that was to do like it gives me a headache to try and think about coordinating all that yeah that and that was like one of the things we talked about right after the film ended just the choreography especially in that sequence with the dogs and it's it's just not like one dog it's two dogs and it's not just the dogs in, in the scenes either. It's like there's several actors on screen with the dogs and the dogs are doing something like each of them are doing something plus all the actors. I mean, it's just like crazy how much stuff is going on. 
and and it just is so well executed like everything looks real everything flows really well and it's super intense and you don't like miss out on anything but like at the same time like in each shot there's like so much going on like you could be focusing on one part of the screen see something cool and like on a totally different part of the screen there's like also something super awesome um that john wick or keanu reeves is is doing on the other part right like there's just there's just a lot there and it, it just makes for a really really cool and and really immersive experience too which i think is important in an action film but it does it without losing you as an audience like sometimes you get to like the shaky cam stuff and it's like it's just hard to know what's going on but that's not what happens like i know it sounds like that because there's just so much but but it it just i don't know like it just is just the way that it was done like you you got everything but you didn't at the same time like there's and i think that's part of the reason like why i feel like i want to go back and watch it again is because there's so much still there to see, even though I saw and experienced and enjoyed so much of what I caught the first time too. Oh yeah. I'd agree. Like I definitely had that same thought of like, what did I miss? Um, and I mean, I don't know, man, there's just so many sequences like in the end when they're putting in like all those elite soldiers and they go out there with the like slugged shotguns. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, and, and another part, that I haven't even like hardly seen people talk about. I mean, like one of the things is like, especially in action movies like this in a trilogy or, or beyond, uh, which John wick is going to be, by the way, John wick four has already been confirmed as happening, which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. but like one of the things is you have to find different ways of, of presenting the action or else it just becomes too repetitive. So that's where like, again, like the dog sequence was awesome because, it's not just like people fighting and doing cool fighting stuff and like whatever, but like now there's dogs fighting as well. But like one scene that's overlooked is there's a scene where, uh, and, and like, maybe like, maybe I'm crazy. Isn't there a scene like where he like is like using like horses or something to like fight people and like, yeah, he like when, has uh, horses like chased by the bikers in New York city. Yeah. He like has a horse, like kick a guy in the face and, He's like using horses. Yeah, he's like using horses as weapons. Like even, (laughs) like even that little addition to it was just like a really cool, unique way to change the action up. I mean, it's still him fighting guys, but it's not like again, it's not just like the same thing over and over again. It's like oh, now he's using a horse as a weapon, which is like super freaking awesome and like super unique. So it definitely kept the action really fresh in this movie, which I was a little worried about uh, that you know, be just becoming too repetitive as we're heading into the third installment, but that didn't happen at all. Oh yeah. I mean, if someone had asked me if I thought he'd kill like five dudes with straight up with a horse, I probably would have said no going into that. But, uh, there we are. I, I mean, I just can't recommend it enough, man. And I think you mentioned John Wick four. I think it set up that movie with something that uh, I very look forward to and I think a lot of people look forward to for about 15 years now. Um, We have freaking John Wick and Morpheus going up against Winston uh, in the next movie, Uh which hopefully some pigeons as well. Um, (laughs) Can't forget the pigeons. (laughs) uh, That's going to be good, dude. Yeah, well, and I... And they uh, they introduced some cool new characters as well, like those two little like ninja guys that he fought with for a while, mm-hmm. um, that were the Iron Chef guys, like little minion dudes. 
Um, that was a really awesome fight sequence, by the way, <laughs> as oh, yeah. well. I mean, pretty. I mean, seriously, every fight sequence in this is like amazing. Like, there's not like a throwaway, just kind of whatever fight sequence. Like, they're all super, super good. But, but yeah, like as many as as many cool characters uh, that we've been introduced to in this in this universe. Like, they in, they introduced even more. And, and just like added that much more to the to the series so so yeah I, I, like you said i think it set up the fourth installment really well and there's definitely things to look forward to and like characters that are going to be coming back to, to look forward to as well and and just the the change in the dynamics of it um i thought was really well done yeah and i think it's really impressive too that they managed um and i would say the right amount of it too they managed to do like world building and character development like mid slaughter um gunfight <laughs> yeah. which how do you how do you do that like i don't know that i've seen anyone else do it like effectively like that yeah no i i i totally agree it it really is just i know we keep saying this but like it really is just like a brilliantly executed film yeah i could not recommend it enough and um i mean the other two are definitely no slouches where do you think this ranks against them I mean, I know like recency bias is always <laughs> kind of hard to uh, uh-huh. to overcome, but <laughs> honestly, I don't. Number two, I mean, I don't know. Number two, I think it, it, just some of the action sequences and that in the cinematography, especially at the end with like they're fighting in like the mirror room, like that was that was, brilliant. That was so well done. That's like one of the best action sequences of any action film I've ever seen from like a cinematography standpoint. So like that that high note's hard to argue with, but I think from like an overall perspective, I think this one really might be like the best film of the free like of the of just from start to finish, you know. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, like I'd probably put this like number 1 and then I I'm not even going to bother to rank the other two cuz I'd probably have to think <laughs> about that a lot longer, but but yeah, I, I honestly really think this might be my favorite one of the three. I'd agree. Like, the way that the movie was set up and executed, it was just, like, uh, you know, there was no lulls in it. There was no, uh, like, as I said at the start, like, I can't really name anything negative about it, uh, to be truthful. And I agree with you. Like, it's uh, definitely number one to me, and the other two will be 2A and 2B. Like, they're brilliant movies as well. Um, And, I mean, I've been thinking about it. Do you think that this movie is like go, belongs in like the pantheon of action movies? Is this like something that you say, oh, like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon? I don't really like Lethal Weapon, and other people do. Hey, um, me too. I think it's overrated. Yeah, it's trash. <laughs> I've never been a fan. <laughs> um, so anyway, do you think this is like something in the conversation? To me, it definitely is because I mean, all three films independently are awesome. And then you put like all three together just with how well each of them are done and how well each of them tie into one another. Like this would be such a fun series to sit down like on a long weekend night and just like watch back to back to back. And they, and they will flow seamlessly and each one of them are very unique in a lot of ways from each other, but they're Mm -hmm. all really consistent and they're just all very, very well done. So yeah, like to me it'd be, in the pantheon of action films or on like the Mount Rushmore of action films, especially when you start like comparing it to others. 
um you know like you mentioned like there's some overrated ones that people consider but like even like the born series or you know uh like mission impossible i'm a huge huge fan of but uh i would probably even put these above the mission impossible series and you know Definitely. and we'll see like how that goes because as more come out there's more opportunity for it to falter so maybe by the end of of all the john wick films uh, i'll feel a little bit differently but if you just take these three films as they stand right now i mean it's got to be like really close to the top of of my favorite uh multiple film uh action uh, action film series uh for sure so but uh but yeah it sounds like you agree yes um yeah it's it was brilliant like i was thinking about the other day like movies that i consider like endlessly rewatchable and the first three that came to mind was the original Die Hard, Hot Fuzz, and John Wick Three. Now, yeah, no, and yeah, like it's. It. What I would say, all I three know. of them are are arguably in that same category. Like they all are just yeah. tremendously rewatchable films. They're they're good, man. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. It's just it's too good. Like, what did we do to deserve this? Right. Well, and I think too, like, I think it's easy to get caught up on the action right like the fights and the you know whatever whatever but just from like a film standpoint like the the style the cinematography like you mentioned like the world building the character building in between and during all the chaos all that is super super high level like it's not just an action film like it just as like a raw film itself from like an objective standpoint it's it's really really incredible like some of the cinematography stuff that they're doing seriously is like groundbreaking stuff like it really is pushing the limits way more than any other film uh really has ever done especially because it's not like super cgi heavy like there is some cgi here and there but for the most part like it's it's practical effects it's it's guys beating the crap out of each other and and really doing this stuff and you know keanu reeves is out there doing his thing and and it's just it's just it's pretty impressive what they're doing from just a film standpoint and then the soundtrack's amazing i mean it's just every aspect of it when you go down to break it down it's really really good and i think that's part of the reason why these films and this one in particular are are so special yeah i agree like top to bottom everything is just so perfectly executed and like i'm almost like ashamed that i don't even know like the director's name or the production crew um yeah i just i i'll say it a couple times i'll say it again you know if you haven't seen it you need to you know rectify that asap yeah like buy tickets immediately and for like tonight or today yeah whatever (laughs) like whatever find a show somewhere yeah definitely go see it well, um, yeah, I think that's about all we have time for this week. We went over uh, quite a bit, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it. And please be sure to subscribe and leave a review and share it. Um, and as we mentioned before, we, you can connect with us on Twitter at AlphaBuildPod. We'll, again, also have our announcements about like our E3 coverage there. And, uh, again, if you want to support us, you can do so at Patreon.com slash BlackArrow. And there's also all of our content and links to Patreon on our website, blackarrowstudios.com. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace.